0: When I get to meet you, a a common question that I get either at First Step or out in the lobby is, what does a discipleship pastor do? And I think it's such a great question. So know that I'm not like, why would you ask that question? I'm not snarky about it. I actually love it. Um, Because what a discipleship pastor does is that I get to empower and equip and encourage you as you are growing closer and stronger with the Lord. And not only that, I get to give you tools so that you're not just doing it for yourself. You get to disciple other people. That's what this whole relationship with Jesus is all about. Not that we just sit with it all by ourselves, but that we get to share it. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what he came for, is to share that with us. And it's interesting because in the Bible, um, it tells us that Jesus' very last words to his disciples, the people that he chose to walk with and to share his life with and to show what his love was all about, His very last words was about this thing called discipleship. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew 28, or you can pull it up on your phone. And we're going to look at verses 19 through 20 really quick. It says, therefore, this is Jesus's last words, by the way. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is really powerful because this was a command, not just for his disciples. It was a command for all of us. Even, may I say, especially today, to go and make disciples. And I know in the church we talk, you may hear this word discipleship a lot, like, oh, we make disciples, we make disciples. But I have to tell you that Mercy Road does a very intentional and great job at making disciples because what we do is that we actually want you to invest one year of your life to do this because we believe that it's that important. Now here's the thing, I'm gonna be really honest with you. In the middle of a pandemic, it may feel like, oh, you want me to invest in my spiritual life? That just feels really extra right now. I don't need an extra thing. I'm here to tell you today that your spiritual life is not extra. It is essential because it is the core of who you are and how you see the world, the decisions that you make for yourself and for others. And so the idea that I even have the privilege of helping you grow in your discipleship is very humbling to me because I do believe it is the most important thing that you will do, not just for yourself, but for your family, for your community, for your friends, and ultimately the world. It's a big deal. So we ask for you to consider spending one year of your life learning how to be a disciple like Jesus discipled his friends, and it didn't happen in a class. It wasn't like, okay, come to my class and I will teach you all the things. didn't happen like that. It was much grittier than that. He said, come with me and do life with me. And through our lives together, you're gonna see what love looks like. The love of God that transforms ourselves and the world. And so he spent three years with these guys, showing them things. And they didn't understand it all the time. I don't understand it all the time, right? I got a long ways to go. But the thing that we see about discipleship is that discipleship is not just about growing closer to the Lord. There is a huge outcome from it and the outcome if you are really engaged and you are really intentional with your discipleship is that you will go and disciple others. It doesn't stop with you because once you have the tools and you learn the rhythms of what it's like to live with Jesus, you can't help but want to share it with someone. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's like getting a really awesome gift that you're like, oh, I gotta tell everybody about this. I know that many of you have already asked Jesus into your life and you've surrendered your life to Christ and I know that that's a huge thing and I'm so grateful for that but I have to be honest with you making that decision to surrender your life to Christ is not separated from your discipleship it goes hand in hand and so if you are not engaging intentionally in your discipleship relationship with the Lord, you're missing out on an essential, not an extra, an essential part of your faith and what God has for you. In Huddle, we talk a lot about these things called kairos moments. Kairos is a Greek word for like a critical moment, like right here, right now. And a Kairos moment in the context of huddle is where we say, oh my gosh, what is God saying to you right now? And what are you going to do about it? And I have to be honest, Kairos moments, when we talk about them in huddle, they feel like sucker punches. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has felt like one sucker punch after another. Can I get an amen? Pandemic, okay. Quarantine, okay. For me, a big sucker punch has been being a full-time working mom and trying to do virtual school with my kids. Okay, and I was an educator for 18 years, by the way, and it's still very hard. How about a crazy election? Huge sucker punch. How about... Just trying to interact with friends and family. Everything, everything is so controversial right now, right? Maybe you expressed something, and I don't care what you expressed, to be honest, and you had friends and family distance themselves from you because it was too much. Y'all, that's a sucker punch, And it happens on both sides, both sides of the political spectrum. I'm just saying. Kairos moments are happening to us all the time. But here's the thing. Jesus said in Mark chapter 1, he said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And what he was saying is, guess what? I'm breaking through space and time constantly to try to get your attention, to talk to you and to teach you and to show you what my love is. Those sucker punches, what if that was God trying to talk to you about something? The first time I literally experienced a sucker punch, I was in fourth grade. You heard it right. I got punched in the face. And it started with being the bus monitor. Y'all know what the bus monitor is? It's the glorified tattletale on the bus, okay? And I think it went to my head a little bit as a 10-year-old kid, um, because I dutifully got off the bus every day and told the bus driver everything that everyone did, because that's what the bus monitor does. That's why the bus monitor gets picked to do that. And I must have submitted the name of Marlene one too many times. Marlene sat on the back of the bus, and y'all know what happens on the back of the bus, all the nasty stuff. They talk about nasty things. Hopefully, they don't do anything nasty. But you know that's where all the trouble happens, right? And so I would tell on Marlene. And the bus driver then told her parents. And she got in trouble. Well, in my, the lack of my fourth grade wisdom, I forgot that Marlene was on the swim team with me. And so after swim practice, the day that she got in trouble, she met me outside the pool. You know where this is going. And she called out my name and I turned around and girl, she punched me in the mouth. I literally, it didn't hurt as much as it like rattled me. You know what I mean? Like there was no blood. There was no tooth lost. It was nothing like that. But it just shocked me. Oh my gosh, like I'm the bus monitor. Who hits the bus monitor? But <laughs> thank you, Jesus. My best friend's dad, who happened to be the chief of police, saw the whole thing. This is how I know God is real. Is that Lisa Tagney's dad was sitting right there and he came over and he put his hand on Marlene's shoulder and he said, Young lady, you're gonna come sit with me until your parents arrive. And he happened to have his police car with him that day. So that was really exciting. (laughs) Well, the next day I was in dread because I knew I would have to see Marlene that day on the bus. And she punched me in the face, by the way, (laughs) if I didn't say that already. So I get on the bus and I just quietly sit down and I look over and I see Marlene. And Marlene's head was down. And then she lifted it up, and I saw that she had a black eye. My heart sank because I didn't know what happened, but I knew something wasn't good. You know what I mean? And I didn't have the courage to do anything at that point, but I sat with it all day at school. I'll never forget it. And then after school, I got back on the bus, and I got the courage to sit across the aisle from Marlene and I just quietly said to her, are you OK? And I could see the tears start coming down to her eyes. And she said, will you get off at my bus stop with me? And I said, OK. But the problem was is that it was an extra mile out of my way to get home. But I got off the bus with her that day. And on the walk home, she began to tell me how her dad hit her when she got in trouble. And that this was not the first time that this had happened to her. This happened a lot. Just this time, we could see it. And I remember going home and thinking, we don't really know people. Every single one of us has a story Every single one of us with the story that we have, we are doing the very best that we know how right now. Right? Amidst a pandemic, amidst everything. And I swear that that moment with Marlene made me who I am today. That it made me want to lean in closer and get to know people and say, tell me about you, and to courageously and curiously and compassionately walk alongside them. We're aching for that right now. And in a discipleship relationship with the Lord, that is what he does with us. So today we're gonna look at a powerful passage in scripture where Jesus does this with us, with the disciples specifically, that there's a Kairos moment where he breaks through time and space to show us his love in a profound way. So you can open up your Bibles to Mark chapter five and we'll take a look at this. And as you're doing that, I'm gonna pray for us. Father God, I know so many things feel extra right now. But Lord, you will do anything to get our attention and say, I'm here, listen. There's so much that I want you to do. And I know that it feels like everything is happening to us, but Lord, help us to see these sucker punches these kairos moments in our lives as opportunities to grow in our relationship with you and then to share that hope with the world help our hearts and our minds and our and our ears hear what you have for us today in Jesus name we pray amen in mark chapter 5 we see the disciples are with Jesus, and this is a busy time in his ministry, okay? He's doing a lot of teaching, a lot of preaching, miracles left and right, healing left and right. He is a busy man, and he's traveling across the lake, and he's, with, he's got his disciples with him all the time, so they're watching him do all these things, and they get out of a boat after a long row, if you will, And we're in verse 21. It says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little girl is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Here is a powerful man named Jairus, he's the synagogue leader. It's like the most powerful guy in the town. And he needs help. His daughter is dying and I gotta tell you, I don't care how awesome your life appears, we all need help every now and then, correct? Let's keep going. A large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, if you were sick, especially in this way, in this time in Jesus's culture, you were told over and over, you are unclean. That meant that you could be shunned and rejected and you were shooed off to some tent outside the town because nobody wanted to be around you. She suffered alone in isolation for 12 years like this. It says that she was in the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. She tried everything, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. This unclean woman came up in the crowd The disciples were arguing with Jesus. Parents, we have no idea what that feels like, do we? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Friends, If you believe that God has more for you and you are ready to engage in a discipleship experience, which we are all called to do, I'm going to tell you that it's going to take three things. Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, it's going to take courage. It's going to take courage to stop all the things that are happening in your life, to listen and hear what God has for you. Our culture is as crazy busy as it ever has been. Can I get an amen? I'm old school, so I was born in the 70s. I'm just being real with you. So if you're in my age bracket, God bless you. And if you're not, maybe you feel this way too. But my phone is always going, going, going. Anyone ever feel like that? Like, oh my gosh, the texts nonstop, I can't keep up with it. The emails, the dings, dings, I gotta keep up on social media, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And then everyone's gotta go somewhere all the time. It's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But Jesus had the courage. Remember, there was a huge crowd around him, and he had the disciples. And they're all expecting him to go, go, go. You got to go get Jairus' daughter and heal her. But as soon as he feels the woman touch him, he stops because she mattered. Friends, we have to have the courage to stop our crazy, busy lives because your spiritual life is not extra. It is essential. I know when I tell people, I want you to be in a huddle. I want you to do this one-year huddle discipleship experience to learn how to walk with Jesus and to hear him in your life. And people go, you're crazy. I don't got time for that. I'm telling you, you gotta. What if you don't? What are you missing out on if you don't invest in your spiritual walk with the Lord? And we do it intentionally. I know a lot of us, we love to meet for coffee. We like to meet for coffee? I love coffee. I love Ethiopian coffee. It's where my son is from. I love it. And we're like, well, I'm doing discipleship. I'm meeting meeting so-and-so for coffee every now and then. And I love that. I think God uses that, and I think that's powerful. But that is not discipleship. That's mentorship. And let me challenge you a little bit with this, because if you look at how Jesus taught, he taught in a group. He didn't disciple one-on-one. He had 12-plus people with him all the time to teach them what living with him was like. He didn't just say, oh, just you and me, let's go get coffee. He didn't do that. Discipleship is hearing what is happening in God's life and seeing how God responds to that in a group because you all have different stories to share with each other. That just magnifies your view of the Lord. It's not just one-on-one. So it's gonna take courage. It's gonna take courage for you to share things that are hard and for you to say what's going on. That woman showed courage just to slip through the crowd of people who didn't like her and thought she was unclean and unworthy. Can I be real with you? How many of us walk into church or show up online and we're thinking, I'm not worthy of slipping through the crowd. It's too hard. I'm here to tell you that Jesus will stop everything to look at you. And tell me your story. That's a part of discipleship. Okay, you ready for number two? It's going to take curiosity. I know this sounds like a strange word, but here's the deal. Jesus almost always led with a question. Because questions are not accusations. They're invitations. Did you hear that? Questions are not accusations. They are invitations to say, tell me more. Who touched my robe wasn't, who touched my robe? It wasn't that. It was who touched my robe? It was leaning in. When we do huddle, we ask questions. The two main questions we ask is, What is God saying to you and what does he want you to do about it? And we don't answer that question for you. We don't solve each other's problems. We come around each other to encourage so that you feel empowered to step into the things and make the choices, the bold, hard choices that you need to make to change your life because God has more for you right? Engaging in your dis- discipleship relationship is going to take curiosity. Now, I have two friends here today. I am so excited to introduce them to you. Their names are Eli and Tristan Marshall. They're going to come up here right now. And they are engaging courage and curiosity right now. Now, they are spearheading a movement alongside of Multiply Indiana called March for a Million. And the goal of March for a Million is to bring a million disciples, disciples to Christ in their lifetime. And so I'm going to have them share a little bit about their story and how you guys got there. Because you're just regular people like all of us, just trying to hear God and say, what do you want me to do? So how did you guys get there?
1: Well, I don't even know if we're regular. I'm just a, a dirty rag and a wreck and a mess all the time. Uh, that's me. Um, <laughs> I know that Josh reached out and asked me if I would if I would preach today. Um, and uh, I know that Mercy Road's scraping the bottom of the barrel if they're asking me to do it. So um, I thought 10 minutes might work. So here goes 10 minutes of that. But before I get started, uh, I want to pray. Because like I said, I'm a dirty rag and I'll wreck everything if I don't bring him into the room. Not that he's already uh, not here, but let's just be sure of it. Father God, thank you for this day, for this time, for these people. Lord, I I don't want this to be lip service. I want to mean every word, Lord. I want you to absolutely infest this 10 minutes with your spirit. I want to feel you. I I, I just want to palp it, Lord. I love you so much. I thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, amen. Kathy, can I flip this on its lid for just a second? Yeah. So um, 2020 is shook, right? I mean, from top to bottom, I think we would all agree that we've faced some trials and tribulations of many kinds. Raise your hand if you have. I expect everybody, yeah. We all have. Well, my contention would be this. Then we should consider it pure joy, because that's what the Bible tells us, to consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That's not just to bring you hope, okay? Okay. That's what it says, I didn't write it. To consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. Pure joy to me, I, I think I've experienced that maybe twice, maybe three times in my life. I, I should probably say my wedding day, but probably I don't think that was it. Pure joy was when I had my two kids though, that was pure elation, right? It was unadulterated, unfiltered joy that I experienced. I couldn't even contain the joy that I felt pure joy is what we're supposed to feel in this time. My argument would be that in 2020, there have been more times for Jesus to show off than in any other year that I've been a part of. And I would imagine any other year that anybody's been a part of. So we should be praising his name, amen? Amen. All right, so I can kind of talk about my story and she's talked about the bleeding woman a little bit. And what I've realized since they have reached out to me is that I relate to this bleeding woman a lot. A whole lot, and I'd say that we all do in search of really Jesus. Well, I didn't know that I was supposed to be a part of today, but Jesus did. Um, it was on uh, the twelfth of this month that Josh said, "Hey, could you preach for us?" And I I had to go on a business trip, and I didn't feel like I could present something that was worthy of going in your guys' ears. Okay, so I politely declined, and then the Holy Spirit just kept saying, "Hey, but I'm going to fit you in there somehow." So here I am sitting. Well, on the ninth of this month, so three days prior to him asking, I had written something. I'm kind of an old soul. I write in my journal every single day. It's how I purge my thoughts. It brings me closer to Christ. I don't know if you do it or not, but I do. And um, we attend Northeast. Well, the, the SPARK approach is not going on over there. I had no idea that that's what you guys were, were using and I also had no idea that Kathy was going to be using the Bleeding Woman to kinda of segue and tie together her entire series. But I wrote this three days prior to knowing any of that. So if anybody in here is questioning the realness of the Holy Spirit, the this is not coincidence. It could not have happened. So I'm gonna If there are any English teachers out there, leave now, because this is probably not written to perfection, um, but it is written from behind my heart. So again, this was just for me, um, but today Jesus says that it's just for you too. So again, this is kind kind of my story a little bit. For years I have bled on my own in the dark. Fear and doubt filled my head, my soul yearned for a spark. I chased the wrong things, the money and fame, These shells left me empty. I'd played the wrong game. Take heart, he can save me, he will write my wheel. New focus, eternal, things I can feel. I now stand next to the woman in the crowd looking in, and this is like when Trista started shaking the other day when I shared this with, with Kathy. We see the king pushing through, carrying our sin. She's tired of chasing her old life of smoke, now diving through the crowd, she stretched for his cloak. A fingertip of faith has cleansed her sin. After watching this happen, now I'm diving in. Now, I have um, I've been on the outside of the crowd before, um, not even looking toward the middle. I've, I've looked out. I have been in the wrong places at the wrong times with the wrong people. I've searched and uh, searched and searched. Take you back to the beginning of my story. I was a baseball player. Um, those are my glory days, and I'm not going to relive them up here. But I was a baseball player, and um, I when you have a decent arm, you get a scholarship, and you go to college, and you play baseball, right? Um, you go to baseball, and you play school is what you do, and that's what I did. I played school uh, pretty well, and uh, then all of a sudden, after two years, Jesus said, "Well, you thought you were going to do all these cool things with baseball, and that was really cute." I'm gonna take your shoulder and you're not gonna do that. I've got bigger things for you. I've got more more of me for you to meet, right? And I didn't know that at the time and I was just shell-shocked. Like my shoulder was gone, I couldn't do it anymore and I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was just this big dreamer wandering aimlessly, kind of a hurricane, you know, looking for a place to make landfall really. And I still kind of am, but I think I'm getting closer and closer. And so that was me on the outside of the crowd. And then I was like, man, where am I going to go? So I took my first step into the crowd, right? Um, and we've all done this. And if you haven't, it's, it's time to kind of start taking your step through the crowd to find him, to reach for his cloak. And so I took my first step and I, I don't know, I got a job. I worked on a drill rig for two years, um, provided for my family and thought I was doing the right things. Um, Love to work hard. That's how I grew up. Um, and then that, that suit just didn't fit anymore. There was something more for me, right? It took courage. It, uh, it took some uh, curiosity. And those things that she's talking about today, it took that. And so I stepped into my next role, and I thought, man, I should probably use my degree for something. Um, and so I took a sales job, and that suit definitely didn't fit. Um, I did okay at it. I mean, I, I was making money, and I was, I was learning and all those things. But 18 months later, the Lord said, hey— got something else for you. And, and that's when I kind of had a a larger season. So I stepped into a third row of the crowd now, not realizing that I'm getting closer to Jesus, but I'm, I'm growing in this process. I'm becoming more. He's, he's kind of galvanizing me and shaping me and molding me as I'm stepping forward. Right. And so now I'm in this third row of life. And that third row of life for me was, um, almost a decade's career on the Anderson fire department. Um, so that was, that was quite an experience. I tell people I lived a 1,000 lifetimes um, in that 10-year career, and that's actually true. Like, it does take courage to be a firefighter, but it takes craziness to be a firefighter in Anderson. Um, it, was, it was unbelievable the things that I saw, but I was so honored and humbled to be able to have the opportunity to help people in their darkest hours, like on their worst days. That was really special, and that brought me closer and closer and closer. So to make this long story short, Eventually, um, Jesus kind of grabbed a hold of me because I was standing in this crowd, and and it was almost like, like I just caught a glimpse of him, you know, going by, kind of like she did. She saw she saw Jesus just kind of walk by, and and then it was like, man, how in the world do I get there, and and how do I just, how could I just get a fingertip on his cloak? What do I have to do to feel him, you know? What do I have to do to have him take hold of my life? And so I started to step forward, and that leads me to today. And I got to tell you, this is a God-sized goal and a God-sized mission. And the good news is I serve a really, really, really big God, Um, a million souls, a million disciples. I'm not going to apologize for saying that word. I believe that we serve a king and a God that will make that happen in the state of Indiana. I believe that wholeheartedly, but what I will tell you is this, and this goes out to everybody, including myself, it's high time we stop sitting on our hands and doing doing nothing because we shouldn't be coming to church to get a cool TED Talk. We can log on to a podcast for that. It's high times we knock the walls of the church down and we go do those things, actually be the church that I know we can be. How do we do that? Man, I don't have all those answers. I'm, I'm kind of sifting through that right now, but I know that sitting around doing nothing is not the answer, okay? And so what this movement is, is this is us literally locking arms together and marching across the state of Indiana, fasting and praying that a million people be reached That a million people can grow in a living, thriving, breathing, loving relationship with the king of this universe. I am believing that that will happen. Again, I don't have all the answers, um, but I do know that in 92 counties across the state, we will have a champion in each county. And over the next decade, a million people will be reached for Christ across the state of Indiana. And for me, that's a movement worth dying for. I hope it's one that it's worth you guys dying for too, because there is nothing better that we could do with our lives. It's time to stop living scared, to start moving through rows and closing that proximity between you and Jesus, because all it takes is a fingertip on his robe. That's all it takes. Are, are we even reaching for that? Like, are, are we just sitting back and saying, well, Kathy can pull that off or Josh can pull that off or it sounds like, sounds like Eli's got that. I don't, I don't have that, but I'm dying to lock arms with people that wanna do it with me. And like I said, that's a movement worth dying for for me and uh, maybe it's one worth dying for for you too, so...
0: Can we give them a round of applause? I'm just so excited because I know God is doing something so powerful in you and through you. So Trista, could you tell us a little bit about how do we get connected with this to learn more and to partner and link arms with you? Absolutely. So there are several ways to be involved, but most importantly, probably right now, is pull your phone out, go to marchforamillion.com and enter your email address. Um, more than anything, right now, we need prayer and we need um Guidance on how to pull this off, and every single person in this room can be involved by praying over this movement for us. Um, so, marchformillion.com. That also will get you on our email list so that you can stay up to date. So. Over the next day, decade, you can continue to lock arms and pray with us. We also do need those county champions, so be praying if that is a position for you um, to lead this movement in your county. And then we need just awesome um, people to lock arms with to actually make this happen. But it starts with marchforamillion.com and then we will get connected with you. Oh my gosh, I am so excited. Could you give them a round of applause as a thank you? Marchforamillion.com. What I love about Eli and Trista is that they are not just passionate about um, bringing Jesus to people; they want to walk the extra mile with them to help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. It's that's what discipleship is. So the third thing that it's going to take from you and me to grow in our discipleship relationship with the Lord is it's going to take curi- it's, sorry, it's going to take compassion. Jesus always led with compassion. It's why he came to us. Because he didn't want us to be alone. He wanted to look us in the eye and say, I love you and I'm with you to the very end of the age. That's why when he turned around and saw the woman, he had her share her whole story. Having that listening, compassionate heart Not just, oh, let me tell you what to do now. But actually listening and seeing her where she was, that didn't just change the disciples. It changed that whole crowd. That's what disciple making is. It's not just this one-on-one thing. It changes everybody. And I'm urging you to do this because I think you need it right now. It's not extra, it's essential. So I have three things that I want you to consider right now. First of all, I want you to get in touch with Eli and Trista at marchforamillion.com and see maybe that's your next step in saying, I wanna join this movement. I, I don't know what God has for me in this, but I wanna do it. Let's see what God has for us in that. The second thing that I want you to consider is either join Rooted, which is a nice 10-week experience of just like this time-bound time of saying, okay, I'll give it 10 weeks, right? But the next thing that a lot of you need to do is you need to get into a discipleship huddle. You need to stop and give it a year and just learn the rhythms of living with Christ and what it feels like to hear what he's saying to you and then to have the courage to go do something about it it's not going to be easy but nothing easy really goes far does it so i want you to email me at kathy at mercyroad.cc and kathy with a k if you're interested in that okay and i'm going to be honest with you i'm going to be very vulnerable with you that If you want to be in a huddle, it's gonna be about a three to four month wait because we need huddle leaders and the qualifier to be a huddle leader is that you have gone through a huddle. And I know that there are many of you in this room who have gone through a huddle, but you haven't taken the next step in making disciples. And it's time for you to lead a huddle. That's your next step in your discipleship experience. And I know you're scared, and I know you're not sure about it. But guess what? This church is behind you. It's what I do. This church is here to empower you and to encourage you and to equip you, and you don't have to be perfect at it. You just got to take a step. So we love you. We believe in you. We believe that this is the spark that you need to ignite your faith, especially in such a time as this. Don't go for that shallow faith. Let's go deep because that's where God works. Will you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We thank you that you are always fighting for us. Lord, we do. We want to experience the spark, the sucker punch that is going to ignite our faith. Lord, I know 2020 has been hard and I know this is a dangerous prayer but Lord I'm asking you for us to take these sucker punches and say God what do you have for me here Lord we love you and I'm asking for courage and curiosity and compassion for us to grow in our relationship with you. It's the love that overflows into the world and changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.